right, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic morning, noon, or night, wherever you guys are in the world. Uh, You're in the right place because we are joined with another awesome guest today on the Crypto 101 podcast. We have today joining Brendan and I. By the way, Brendan, hello. How are you doing today? Feeling great. (laughs) Hey there, everyone. Feeling good. I'm stoked to introduce our guest because this is a a Web3 expert, uh, a gaming expert, all things crypto, all things blockchain. We've got Jacob C.Eth, the founder of Hyperplay, joining us today. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Oh man, we're we're, we're excited to dive in. Because not every day we get to you know really speak to somebody who's um, you know diving into the niche that you are uh, with Hyperplay. So we want to dive into that. But before we do, we want to get your background and, and really how'd you come to uh, be in the position that you are. Yeah, I um, well, I guess like going way back, I was really attracted to early Bitcoin from from a, a political um, and kind of activist. Um, worldview. Um, it, it was an interest to me, but it wasn't ever something I was like seriously Im- or, or like from a career perspective involved in. And I, you know, I, I worked in web two tech and when I read the Ethereum white paper and, and started seeing that I, I got really kind of, um, annoyingly obsessed, uh, my, my coworkers would tell you. Um, and so, you know, I, um, yeah, I went and uh, joined Consensus and worked on some early grant funding DAOs. Uh, I got to join the MetaMask team and I, I worked as leader operations there oh, wow. and uh, worked on a lot of the, the growth and monetization um, strategies. And I, I had really seen that the biggest area of growth that MetaMask and de facto the decentralized web were seeing was coming from gaming use cases, but the the wallet experience and the, the the user interactions between a game and the player's wallet, there, there were challenges that needed to be solved. And so I, you know, I, I am still advisor for MetaMask, um, and I, I still work really closely with the MetaMask team. But I I started Hyperplay to. To, to solve both the the wallet to game interaction problem for games and also the the censorship problem because game developers were being forced to build very strange and bizarre user experiences in order to hack around app store policies mm-hmm. um, and there needed to be a censorship resistant and developer loyal distribution platform that actually encouraged people to build in a way that makes sense for web three instead of, instead of making them terrified that their business is going to be deplatformed. So yeah, we, we, um, we launched hyperplay, um, in March. Um, it's, uh, it's available today in, uh, in early access and, uh, we're super, um, super excited for, for all the, the games and projects that are, that are building on top of it. Well, let me just start this off by saying one of the first conversations I had with Bryce was what do we think or what do I think about like Web3 and gaming? Because that is really my niche. And I'm super stoked to be able to just talk about this with you today because this is really kind of hitting home. So you have this big experience. Brendan's a big gamer, if you couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> only you could see the PC that is sitting right behind the camera. Uh, it would tell wonders <laughs> as to where I stand uh, in this scene. 
But uh, but no, no, everything else aside, Jacob, you have this big, extensive experience when it comes to Ethereum and layer twos and crypto as a whole. You know, why are you just now starting to get really excited about Web3? Like what has you excited to really kind of dig deeper and invest a little bit of extra time and resources into Web3 now? Well, I've definitely been involved in Web3 for yeah. a while. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll, um, I'll just say like, you know, I think that blockchains are about more than, you know, I think a lot of people see this as, you know, the next thing or something and that, um, that they're going to get rich or something. And I, um, for me, I think that this is a tech that was built to make people more free, um, to help people to, um, you know, build and, and structure human social interaction and human collaboration in a way that we want it to be structured. And I, I think that um, it, what's so exciting about Ethereum is its composability and its interoperability. And so um, the composability allows us to, to structure our social interactions in the ways that we think make the most sense. And the interoperability is, you know, it, it allows the, you know, the early vision of the internet was a more interconnected uh, world. And then we got a bunch of silos based on, on surveillance. And um, today, by, by, by building the internet around interoperable rails and giving the internet a, a financial and transactional layer, it allows us to build ethical business models that ultimately distribute more ownership and power to the people who participate in these systems uh, rather than for Web2 corporate monopolies. Yeah, it's it's like um, it kind of harkens back to in your introduction, you talked a lot of or a little bit about um, what really got you inclined to the space was kind of like that political idea of like, you know, Bitcoin is this new free money um, and it, that kind of drew you in. And it's almost like what Bitcoin did to money, you know, Ethereum is doing to corporations, if you will, or it's like it's that same level of, of disruption. And it's uh, and it, but it's like more than corporations. It's like it's it's identity. It's everything. And it, it it reminded me of your name. Like I wanted to ask. Like a lot of people are probably like Jacob C. Eth. Like does this kind of have a last name? Like what is this? Like people might not understand what this is. So tell us what your identity, uh, Jacob C. Eth, is, and like what does that mean to you? And um, how did it kind of come to be? Yeah, I you know I think that Web three identity and Web three reputation is uh, super important. Um, mm-hmm. I. You know, I think that I think there's some some larger meta conversations about um, how we think about identity and reputation in Web three, and certainly there's there's a number of people that want sort of a, what what I would consider a pretty um, dystopian um, form of Web three identity that's based on like hashing people's biometric data or something like that. I think that people should be free to have one or many identities. And that there's that we need reputation-based governance. Um, that the civil problem isn't universally solvable, um, but we can understand the long-standing reputation of an identity, what kinds of contributions it's made, and to allow people to 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 hold their identity and use it in a, a way that has reputation. Um, so my ENS name is is an example of that. But I, you know, I, I generally think that. You know, we'll we'll um, see a lot more reputation-based governance models for the protocols that people are building, 
and that that's going to play a, a super important and, and positive role in, in terms of how people think about identity. Yeah. And even like with, um, when I think like, you know, with DeFi, even identity is going to come to play a huge part because there's systems that are out there. Um, Maple is one true finance. There, there's a couple of them that use like reputation based lending. Um, and you could kind of have like an on chain sort of credit score um, that's tied back to, you know, your ENS or your your address. And I just thought that was you know, interesting if anybody at home, you know, wants to check out those platforms, it's, it's really cool because, you know, like you said, it's, it's a, a, a really, you know, it's a tech blockchain is a technology that really in, like inclusive and, you know, for people at home who are listening, they're like, well, you know, why do we need an on-chain credit score? Like I could go to a bank and you know, I got my credit score, but like, if you're listening to this, you're probably privileged and like, you probably do have some level of like, you know, you could go anywhere and swipe your card, but that's not the whole world. And the whole world, sometimes if they want to get a loan or if they want to, uh, you know, get a mortgage or whatever, like they need to have um, identity documents, they need to have credit scores and reputations, or else they're going to get fleeced by a loan shark at 25% rate. And so yeah, this does this, this technology does blow open the doors to financial inclusion for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to zoom in on hyperplay um, and the things that you're building there. Um, I would love for you just to describe um, you know, how like a listener at home might, you know, interact with the platform. You know, we've got lots of crossover between crypto lovers and gamers. Um, and so how can somebody kind of bust into the platform and, and what should they expect? Yeah. So Hyperplay is a Web3 native game launcher. Um, so if people are familiar with Steam, um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, a, a Web2 game launcher and, and distribution platform. Hyperplay does the same kinds of thing, things that Steam does. It helps you discover Web3 games. Um, download those games, and it is also an aggregator of multiple game stores. So we have our own store, uh, the Hyperplay store. It's got about 50 uh, plus or minus uh, Web3 games that are a part of it. We also aggregate the entire Epic Game Store. So all of your games, Web2, Web3 games um, that are in the Epic Game Store, you can actually play inside of Hyperplay. You can play Fortnite. You can play Elden Ring. Oh, wow. um, uh, In any of those games. And... We're actually building on-chain representations of your, your gaming reputation. There's a lot of um, really exciting things that you can do by aggregating um, all of the gaming world into a single, um, in, in to the decentralized web and, and to have an interface for that. Um, and then any game that you launch from within Hyperplay, Hyperplay has an overlay similar to the Steam overlay. So. People who've played games in Steam know that you know you press Shift Tab and then you see a chat window. You can see um, if you have a notification or achievements. Steam is going to overlay those on top of the game that you're playing. Your friends' requests. So Hyperplay does the same kind of overlay, but we actually are persisting your MetaMask wallet into um, in, into the game. Mm. Uh, so you can actually approve transactions without ever leaving the context of the game. You can sign in using your wallet um, inside of a native game. And uh, we, we support both native or browser-based games. And we'll also be supporting other stores in the future. Uh, so we, we really, our, our goal is from an infrastructural perspective to allow the player to carry their, their wallet, all of the assets inside of that wallet across every game that they play, across every game store, and really to... to also provide a really developer loyal platform to the builders so that they're not living in fear of being censored or deplatformed for building a Web3 game. I love that you brought up Steam as an example because it is probably the 
the closest thing that we have to this quasi Web3 marketplace. And I say quasi, right? Because you can trade items between players, between games. If I have something from CSGO and someone else has something from Team Fortress 2, we can make a trade for that. You know, but we still can't trade across marketplaces. You know, so say someone has something in Fortnite, someone has something in uh, Valorant, League of Legends, another one of these games that's made outside of Steam, then you can't trade with them. Um, it's cool because you can, you can trade, you can buy, you can sell. The CSGO marketplace alone is a multi-billion dollar marketplace, which is just a wild thing to say. But do you think that we can get to a place where we can have these like cross-platform trades and orders going through? Because that's like that's what I see as the end game of Web3 and gaming is that I can trade stuff from Riot's platform and items on Riot. I can make those trades with people who have items in CSGO on Steam and kind of so on and so forth. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think increasingly people are are seeing well, game developers are building that natively into their games and are are building secondary markets in their games. There's also you know protocols and platforms that are being built that allow people to make on-chain derivatives of centralized assets, which there's some problems with. But I, I will say that I do think that Web three is going to enable a lot of use cases that were not previously part of Web2 and that transcend secondary markets and then mm. do a lot of other things like uh, gaming reputation, for example, and, and carrying your reputation with you across multiple stores. Like, you know, a, a lot of like, I'll just give an analogy from like 2017 when the Epic Game Store launched, a lot of players 
were revolted by the idea of another game store and that some of their games would be in a separate store. And the reason for that was they had their entire reputation, all of their achievements, all of everything they've done in one platform. And to them that felt interoperable because all the games are here. Um, I have my reputation. I can carry it across all the games and for it to start fragmenting was, you know, as a very felt fear, a, a very real thing to a lot of players with what we are doing today, aggregating all of the stores, aggregating their achievement systems, aggregating um, everything to do with the the traditional, you know, the, the traditional Web2 world. Um, this really allows us to, to, to create a, a freer ecosystem for, for building on-chain reputation, on-chain games, every, everything that people want. The, the interoperability ultimately really empowers people to build other things. And, and there's a lot of other use cases. I mean, people are seeing like extraction shooters where there's like high stakes outcomes in the mm-hmm. game where you can loot someone else's bag and, <laughs> and um, you, you can, uh, you know, compete for really difficult to find items with significant outcome and, and stakes. Um, so we're, I, I think, or, or like, you know, like dark forest where you, you use zero knowledge proofs to have provably fair fog of war. Like, yeah, I think we'll see new genres of games created around this tech uh, that didn't exist before and that it will enable, you know, a, a new ecosystem of things that are genuinely fun and great for people. Certainly. Yeah. I think with the way that everything is kind of unraveling right now, it's a really exciting time because there's so many different ways that this can be used. And so I'm excited to see kind of how it progresses. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a cool one. Yeah, I, I think um, what I, I've heard some st- uh, some stats from like hedge fund managers and stuff are talking about like the next billion crypto users are going to come from crypto gaming and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I definitely want to like kind of get your your thoughts on just adoption curve or whatever of crypto gaming, but also along the same lines, like do you like the stance that crypto gaming has right now or it's like it's marketing angle or do you think that like crypto should be obfuscated into the background and like we should only focus on gaming and the the tech is just the tech yeah first of all i'll I'll just say that blockchains uh, or sorry games are a bridge to the decentralized web and if you looked at the 2021 2022 period a lot of that growth came from places like the philippines vietnam nigeria Mm. brazil colombia those were countries where there are millions of people that are locked out of traditional financial systems that onboarded to play games and then discovered through that decentralized finance and were able to leapfrog the traditional financial system and become owners and become empowered in the various different protocols in which those people participate. I think that there is a, a, a number of people, there, there's a, a common cycle that exists in our ecosystem. When there are bull markets, um, so like if we go back to like the 20, 2012, 2013 bull market of Bitcoin, people are building in a super, you know, trying to build all of these interesting things on top of Bitcoin. Then, you know, in the bear cycle of 2014, people became very depressed. They stopped building and then they try to appeal to the most conservative thing. And at, the time it was like convince gas stations to take Bitcoin and stop <laughs> building things. 
Um, and then, and then you, you, have, you have like the, the 20, 2015 to 2017 uh, bull market around ETH and things like that. And, and then in the, you know, in the downturn after that, people were like, no, this tech is never going to be broadly adopted. We need to obscure it away and we need to adopt like enterprise blockchain things. And so many ETH people mm-hmm. in the 20, 2018, 2019 period tried to pivot to enterprise blockchain and that they thought that this would be obscured away. And then ultimately very little was built in the world of enterprise blockchain and the things that actually ended up taking off were things that built in a more Web3 native way that really doubled down on the value propositions of blockchains that didn't try to compromise what this was. And then, um, you know, and then we had this, this bull cycle of late 2020 DeFi summer to, um, you know, the, um, the FTX debacle. And now you hear a lot of people just like happened in these other historical cycles suddenly thinking that we should pivot blockchains or pivot our products to hide the the web3 aspects and to not to not talk about those value propositions and the people say web 2.5 or whatever um, and then they they flatten it to basically just <clears throat> secondary markets uh, for 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 assets and I think that a lot more is possible here the interoperability of identity, the interoperability of the assets, third-party developers building games that connect to the contracts of another game. There, there's so much more that can be can be constructed. I think that when people get really scared in uh, in in the the lowest lows of of market cycles, that that feels like, retreating to a more Web two world feels like an answer to a lot of people. I think that we should both make blockchains more accessible and make the user experience more accessible for people. But also we shouldn't hide the fact that we're building Web3 tech, that we believe in decentralized protocols, that we believe in the extensibility and interoperability of these protocols, that those value propositions need to not be lost in the message. And uh, we need to not let the, the depression of this market take people to build things that, you know, you don't even really need a blockchain for. I mean, like the secondary markets, like Diablo had a secondary market in 2011, yeah. <laughs> 12. Yeah. Uh, and like, it was fine. I mean, it inflated. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah. You know, I think some of the most successful games and platforms are the ones that allow you to have a personality and a profile somewhere where people can go and say, or see that, hey, I'm level 515, here are all my achievements, here are all my items. By attaching some sort of achievement or identity system, whether they have a monetary value or not, it creates a competitive environment. And people like to see, oh, hey, this is the number one guy in the world, or this is the most advanced player, or this is the person who has the most playtime. This is the po- the person that I want to aspire to be. They have the coolest items whatever it could be, you know, and in other games, it's like, oh, hey, this person has a $5 million inventory of everything that I could ever dream of. Uh, It can vary so much. But that's where we really see the most success when it comes to gaming. And I think that Web3 is the perfect way to complement that and bring it to the next level, because it can really expand on all the areas that we've been talking about 
except make them better. It can be cross applicable. It can kind of booster this environment. And so my question is, you know, if we are to start seeing that like on the mainstream gaming stage in Web3, what would that do to the user base? What do you think that that would do to the user base? I'm not sure I I fully understand that. So if we start seeing these Web3 practices like applied to mainstream games from, from big names, like, what do you think that that will do to the user base? You know, gaming across the world already has about a 40% market share, which means that almost 40% of the people in the world are playing games. Do you think that that number would like astronomically increase if the mainstream, the big wig game creators start applying Web3 practices? Because that would uh, essentially incentivize more people to kind of jump in, at least from my point of view. Yeah, I, I think it, it has a lot of interesting um, implications. And it's it's worth like considering what the the legacy models are mm-hmm. to, to answer this. So like, you know, the traditional model of $60 game, you'd have to develop it as a game developer for know, two to four years is, is our common game development cycles. And you're taking on massive amounts of risk as a game developer. And so at the end of that cycle, you release the game, it succeeds or it fails. And the business is either in ruins or, um, or it does well. Um, and that business model was really dangerous uh, for a lot of game developers. It led to things like uh, Konami, uh, the, the largest uh, game development shop in Japan, abandoning making games. It led to you know, a transition to other business models like uh, mobile gaming, which you know, surged in the last decade. And, and the problem with, you know, in, in the mobile gaming world was gotchas and paywalls and, you know, play this game for free for 40 hours and then we drop a difficulty bomb on you and then you need to spend a thousand dollars to finish the game. Yeah. Um, or I- introducing just pay to win mechanics where people don't even want to play the game anymore. Yeah. And it's not like game developers want to make these models. It's that they have to find a sustainable business model to do their creative trade. Mm. So I um, I think that the Web3 game model is so innovative and radical and empowering because it allows the game developer to release a product that expands over time iteratively. So you know if, if the game if the business model allows for a portion of the, you know, the trading of the assets in the game to be shared, the fees to be shared with the game developer, the more activity you build in a game's world, the more that that grows the revenue of the game developer. So suddenly it's not like the game developer releases this and then maybe they release a couple DLCs and then they abandon the game. And then all of the fans are left hoping, well, I hope in five or 10 years, they make another game. And instead it, expands the game's world over and over. And uh, the more that game world expands and the more that players adopt it and enjoy it, the more that the game developer grows their revenue. And it allows the game developer to to build iteratively and to see if something is working in a feedback loop with their customers, which is what we do in almost every other industry. Like we, we don't like, we don't spend four years uh, developing, I don't know, like uh, like a, a rideshare app and then find out if people find, found it interesting. Mm-hmm. We release like businesses that are iterative and then we learn from the customer in a feedback loop and we build better products. 
And so this is the opportunity to do that in the games industry and to do it in a way where you have the network effects of blockchains. And it's not just even one game that's succeeding. The more that any games succeed in this industry, we're creating a category that onboards more people into Web3 and the assets are interoperable. And those the, the growth of the Web3 gaming economy grows things for all of the game developers and all of the players too. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a flywheel that grows and helps you know, developers and players alike in a, in a virtuous cycle. Yeah. And, and like kind of with, with all this adoption that's coming and that we're, you know, anticipating kind of my last question is like, is Ethereum ready? Is the technology there to scale? Um, I know we've got layer twos, we've got all sorts of new tech, but in, you know, in your opinion, are we, are we ready for the prime time? Well, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of innovation and in, in growth of block space, the growth of, better blockchain tech that's going to continue happening. I'm, I'm actually the, uh, I, I wrote the founding proposal for a layer two blockchain, which is Mantle, which uh, specifically, even though it's a layer two on top of Ethereum, it uses an um, Eigen DA, which um, is a an external uh, data availability layer in order to significantly save on, on gas. Um, and I'll kind of just, for people that may or may not be aware of this and how it works, um, traditionally, in the layer two model, all of the data is posted to the Ethereum L1. But the Ethereum L1 is actually not built for storing data. It's not a data protocol. Um, it was it was not meant for that. And there are some proposals around like donk sharding and stuff like that that improve its data storage capacities. But ultimately, it is not a data protocol. EigenDA. An eigenlayer. Eigenlayer is a set of contracts that allow you to use Ethereum to secure an external protocol uh, using an Ethereum validator and using uh, ETH staking and restaking. So uh, with with Mantle, a lot of what we built was the ability to have uh, a more efficient data protocol while also still having that external data protocol derive uh, a very significant amount of security from Ethereum. Um, and and to, to keep things tethered to the decentralization of, of Ethereum. So uh, I think that Mantle is going to be um, a better L2 for gaming use cases. And we um, in Hyperplay are actually deploying some things that are not announced uh, yet, uh, but, but which are going to be um, on-chain and will have a really significant, I'll just say a reputation component for players that that's coming soon and so uh, we're really excited about that i think that the the tech of the chains and the the efficiency to bring more and more on chain is increasing i think we are um we're at a period where you know there's a range of use cases are possible today the more this tech scales the more the diversity of use cases become possible It's, it's it's actually really similar to like the 1999 cycle in like the period before it, where people were pitching a lot of internet use cases that were not possible, like pets.com. That was an kind of ran before they could walk in a sense. Yeah, it was a, a business that was impossible to build in 1999. But, you know, I am a subscriber to Chewy. I, I buy great uh, <laughs> treats for my dog. It's literally pets.com. <laughs> they they uh, fulfilled the vision. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just the, the tech has to mature there. And yeah, so I think that we're going to see the tech maturing in a, in a range of ways. And 
the the use cases that people want to see are are going to start happening iteratively over time. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, you know the future. I mean, this is cliche, but like the future really does belong to the visionaries, like the people that can kind of see the eventuality of where that tech is going to be, not where it is. It's like you know, like Netflix. Like I always think about like Netflix and Reed Hastings, who was like you know going to bet on the whole new business model and. You know, I think what we're doing, you know, or what you're doing here is is very similar to that. Um, it's just a complete upending of the model, um, and it's beautiful. It's cool to watch. And hey, man, when you guys have those uh, those next big announcements that we alluded to, I'd like to uh, <laughs> bring you back and uh, have you on for another you. show. It'd be incredible. But uh, Jacob C. Eth from Hyperplay, man, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we ask our viewers to go and to stay tuned with uh, all your updates? Yeah, so hyperplay.xyz is where you can download Hyperplay today. Give it a try. We've also got Discord server, uh, socials. Um, you'll find all those on the website or Hyperplay Gaming on Twitter. But the number one thing I'd recommend is go go give it a try. Play some Web3 games. Have some fun and uh, give, us, give us some feedback. Love it. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, And jacobc.eth, thank you for joining us. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.